Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi, and I've got Lisa Murphy with me today. Hello! She says hello. Did you not hear me? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> um, I'm just noticing the, the the lady artwork on the wall behind you, though. Sorry, oh. everybody who's listening. It's like tattoo pinup ladies kind it's of It's all the Sailor Jerry's posters. Sailor Jerry's, yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. All right, Thank anyway. You. Hey, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you ready to bitch about play a little bit? <laughs> and am I not? Especially if it's about verbiage defining play. Yeah, yeah. So this episode, we're going to talk about um, the idea of structured play versus unstructured play and the value of each and how we all get screwed up using the same words but meaning different things. And uh, And how some words that I think used to be like forgive me for sounding so black and white, but like good or bad, yeah. get hijacked by the other team, so to speak. And so now a word that was kind of a safety zone for us or a safe <laughs> zone, a safe place yeah. has now been, you know, taken over and hijacked by, by the opposing forces. Yes, they're so good at it and it drives me <laughs> bonkers. Yes, um, I hear you. But anyway, so so our, our sort of launching place is going to be this art, an article from um 2018 earlier this year from child care information exchange and the article is called not all play is created equal by kathy cabe trundle Starts and i a... already disagreed with the title yeah i know, right? <laughs> I know. so i that's how I, I didn't even have to read the article i knew it was perfect yeah. for the a starting place for this <laughs> conversation so the quote so we can go ahead and jump into this um is unstructured play often called free play tends to be open-ended with no specific learning objective. And my instant, I mean, I underlined it. I'm looking at it right here. I reread it again this morning so I'd be, you know, nice and fresh for our conversation. And my first reaction to that quote was that it it kind of implies as though play should have some kind of learning objective. And, And learning is a hot button and objective is a hot button. And I realized it can take us in five different directions. But that sentence right there, to me, implies that play needs to have a learning objective, at least in the opinion of this author. Right. And, and what immediately pushed my button is that just that kind of... Negates the entire concept. <laughs> it, it does, but that kind of, um, uh, well, I'll just say modifying sort yeah. of statement um, should not have any place in something written and published by experts in the field. It it also, and it's very subtle, it's very subtle, but it reinforces the false dichotomy that playing and learning are two separate things. And and, and, and in March, April of 2018, nothing should be allowed to be published that, that implies that it's still one or the other. Right, especially something that in the previous paragraph cites research on the benefits of play and defines play as an activity that excites, entertains, and or motivates an individual. 
Yeah, and I would disagree with that definition, quite honestly, myself, because yeah. I think something can be very playful or feeling that you're engaged in play without being entertained by it. Um, I, I'm, I, I think I'm rapidly becoming a Peter Gray uh, quoting junkie at uh-huh. this point. Um, uh, the, the five characteristics of play after he did go through all of the data and all of the research and he whittled it down to the five consistent kind of common denominators. And as probably your listeners and, and mine would know that, that the first criteria of play is that it's freely chosen, um, self-directed and that you could quit when you want. Right. And the minute, and then so criteria number two implies that if anybody has a goal or objective, then it's no longer play. So right out the gate, th- th- just by saying that, with no specific learning objective, one is implying that play needs to have one potentially. And two, in my brain that negates right from being play. Right. And I, any, anybody who's doing any kind of research or having any kind of, of scholarly conversation will, will know that defining your terms is basic. I, I like, and, and I don't feel that was I, done. Here. I don't think so either. And I think she tried, but I, so we've got these this de- definition that you just mentioned the the Peter Gray characteristics of play or identifiers of play um which are not just his idea they're like you said he's gone through all these years of research decades of research about yes, play yes yes um uh and that's where he's coming from what i see in this article looks like a dictionary definition maybe which could very possibly just be somebody's idea i don't know how dif- dictionaries <laughs> figure out their definitions but um well i get i get i get a little stuck um as as people who listen to your show who are familiar with me one of my biggest hot buttons is the whole control versus structure yes um and 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 i think those are two very very different definitions not only within how you might be defining your program but in play specifically um a lot of times after a workshop people will listen to me talk about the nine my nine how to identify a child-centered environment. Uh-huh. And, and one of them is talking about the idea between, you know, control and structure and facilitate and instigate. And a lot of times after the gigs, the folks will come up and be like, oh, you know, I love what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, I smell the butt coming. <laughs> you know, but we're a lot more structured. And I kid you not, Heather, and I'm not exaggerating, and I don't want to sound like I'm going into workshop mode, but 99% of the time, if that person is willing to, let me push them into a deeper conversation. What they actually are defining by structure is 100% control. It's a yes. controlling environment, not a structured environment. Structured to me is clear, consistent boundaries, expectations, but, the, but, but control is that I'm needing you to do something in a particular fashion. Mm-hmm. And there might be a time and a place for that. You know, I don't want to get too hung up on verbiage right at this moment, but to me, when I hear structured play versus unstructured play, my bias, I'll own it, is that a lot of times what's being called structured play is controlled, didactic, often instruction, and not play at all. Right. And because so often in those situations, people use toys or materials mm-hmm. from an early childhood catalog, um, they, they call that play. Um, I see that a lot. People who think they're doing quote unquote playful learning, what they're really doing is that sort of didactic, adult led, um, controlled. Because uh, I had a goal can in you mind. Do what I, I want a... you to do. Yeah. And, and I think um, 
sure there are there are times for direct instruction and Tiffany's talked about this a lot when when she's been on with me if a child's wanting to learn a skill of course there's some times that we're going to have to sit down and tell them specifically what to do or model or show them or coach it but um but that should come from the child in real play mm-hmm. And, and, or my observations, right? It might be a direct request from the child and it might be, you know, I'm walking around the the yard and I'm noticing somebody's over in the tool section for the first time. And I might move in a little closer to, you know, be there uh-huh. in case he or she does need some direct inspection, instruction playfully. Because uh-huh. um, I, I, I think playful instruction, excuse me, I, I think didactic instruction can be done with a playful spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still be you know, energetic and engaging about it. But I, I think the common denominator for me is that when, it, when the adult has something in mind going into the day or into the lesson with a goal, uh-huh. something that has that right there to me, you, you're not allowed to use play in what you're calling it anymore. Right. I um, was having a conversation with someone and we were talking about, because uh, I had just read, I don't remember where it's from, but but I had read something that said there's, you know, there's no, for children to really learn what they're doing has to be relevant to them, for them really to, to, to be, you know, following their own, their own path there. And there's, there's no greater way to determine what's relevant to a child than to let them just play and choose and do what they, they want to do. And um, I guarantee you, they're going to learn something <laughs> if you're letting that happen. So I kept talking about relevance and choice. And this person I was talking to said, um, well, well, sure, they can have choice in this other, you know, the didactic kind of stuff. We're, we're talking about, you know, they can choose to do this or that with the materials that within the materials we've set out. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, that's not relevance. That's preference. And it's not quite the same thing. And that's not Ooh. child-led. That's still very adult-led. Um, and they, we weren't, we weren't finding any third space in that conversation. Neither of us was convincing the other and and there was no middle in that. But, um, so I was thinking about that too, as I read this, um, the way they talked about the structured play in this article. Um, I had a colleague a while back, um, and I love this quote of hers. She said, are we, are we really protectors and guardians of play or of choice? Mm. And, and I think since then, I, I, I have, well, I, I, I can't, I don't have a definitive like, oh, and now I no longer think about, but, but I'm, mm-hmm. I will say that it, that enters into my brain all the time. If I'm observing a play situation, what am I really feeling that I'm a guardian or, a, or an advocate of? And I really think a lot of times it's more of a, of a choice factor uh-huh. that the child can choose to be done that the child can choose to instigate the child can choose to leave the child can choose something else on the shelf so it's like wow but because of that choice does then choice become the springboard to what we might call then p- play yeah it's just so hard for us to pull ourselves out of the the situation um, one of, one of the other things that I have been thinking about a lot, la- a lot lately. So in my, in my current job, I have a lot of grad students in the classroom with me every morning. And I was sort of dreading that cause they're not early childhood grad students. They're mm. in speech language pathology. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to have all these adults in the room with me, um, with no experience and doing all the, you know, the things that drive me crazy. And I've really sort of been amazed and it's one semester in knock on something. I don't know what the next semester's group of grad students are going to bring, but I really was amazed that they, 
they were very, um, I didn't hear any of, you know, the kind of language that drives me crazy typically when I'm in an early childhood classroom, um, those sort of teacher phrases and teacher mm-hmm. shorthand and weird expectations. And, and I've been wondering what the, what the difference might be. And I sort of just wonder if, because they don't use the word teacher to yeah. describe what they're doing, if those scripts have just been removed for them. That's um, a really good point. And, and I think, um, that teacher script is part of why some people feel like they need to throw in that word structured or that idea that it's structured play. Because if I'm not in charge, what do I do? Then why am I here? Then why am I here? And what do I do with this expertise? And, and how do I use that master's degree? Damn it. I call myself uh, a teacher, but um, so I'm just looking through the article at some of the other things that I had highlighted. And there's a, on, on the second page, um, there's there's a, a quote that says even with the best intentions, instruction that is inappropriate for children for children can institutionalize the wonder out of them, and that broke my heart because it's so it did. true. It is, and I underlined it and highlighted it and <laughs> put a star next to it. The same, the same exact, yeah, the same exact I mean, quote, and 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 the and the quote right above it. Unfortunately, inadequate learning experiences can have long-term implications, including impacting later academic and career choices. And not to sound all Debbie Downer and fatalistic about it, but if you have a pretty shitty early childhood experience and you already hate school mm-hmm. um, because school has been done to you right. since you started showing up at a childcare setting, um, you're not going to really want to get on that bus to kindergarten, you know, you've, you've kind of, or you've become so compliant that you've, you know, your, 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 your fire, your playful Mm -hmm. spirit has already been, you know, blown out and extinguished. Mm -hmm. Um, or you've already learned it doesn't matter anyway. I'm just got to sit here and, you know, yeah. Deal with it. Or you rebel, you know, or you've got your little rebellious, yeah. you know, the ones we all fall in love with, you know, who are already going, no, this is inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah, I always I always think about that when I see children in those um, inappropriate, playful learning situations where it's still very adult led and very adult structured. Those ch- some of those children are developing exit exit strategies as sort of a survival. Mm-hmm. Like they know mm-hmm. that this is not what my brain and body is driving me to do, and I'm being told all day that that's wrong to follow what my brain and body wants me to do. Um, so I'm either going to internalize that message of disapproval or I'm going to develop habits to get out of this that are going to make me look not ready for school. Right. Um, and we put all that burden on kids. And I think how better to prepare someone for life than to spend the first at least five years, you know, I would advocate for more, sending them the Playing. message that what your ideas are are wonderful and good and worthwhile and I will follow you. And, yes. And those are the those are the folks that are going to be emotionally and socially healthy enough to survive a questionable school system. <laughs> I agree 100 percent. 100 percent. I think I think a big frustration continues to be and I, I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm repeating myself, but but just that you've got too many people in this field who claim to be on the same boat, but are using just drastically different definitions mm-hmm. of, of, of words that are very, very important. And, and I'm an advocate of 
stopping conversations and and let's just check in and make sure that we're using the same definition as we move forward in this conversation and i might it might not even be a heated conversation it might not be a debate it might not it might be just for this next 2 minutes in this conversation yeah. what what is the working definition of the buzzwords that i'm hearing us use um because it's not always my goal to change somebody's mind i mean the reality is you can't really change somebody's mind but at least during that particular dialogue, let's let's have some sense of connection as we as we move forward, instead of assuming that just because we're you know both checking the preschool teacher yeah. box that we have the same definitions. Yeah, I get so excited when I um, when I come across someone in conversation who use talks about play or their play based philosophy, and I forget in that moment of yes, another one of us. Yes. That, that could mean so many things that maybe we aren't really having, you know, a moment of bonding. We're <laughs> really yeah. Um, yeah. talking about two totally different things. And so, yeah, I've had to try and develop a habit of slowing myself down in those conversations and not mm-hmm. in like a I challenging do. way, not in a, well, well, what do you mean by that? But just like, let's make sure we're both saying the same things when we use that yeah. word. Um, and I'll often, I often do that like, uh, like that, how you're re- kind of removing yourself a little bit, like, hey, this is one of those buzzwords. Just let's, you know, let's stop for a second right now, because just like you said, I'm not looking to challenge them. I'm not looking to test them or get them on the defensive. But what is your definition of that particular word? I got fired from a job one time because during during the interview, I'm, t- I mean, I had started <laughs> doing workshops, right? Uh-huh. And I had said to them, you know, what I say on the road. This is how I teach. You know, there's no disconnect. I'm very, very consistent in my practice and my, you know, my practice and my preaching, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I got fired after three months of being in the job because they, they actually said they didn't think I had enough energy to remain child-centered. <laughs> and I was like, well, first of all, energy, I mean, I get it. Energy is you didn't find about do. four pieces of that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, uh, that, that was when I think the seed was planted uh-huh. in, in regard to working definitions of buzzwords, but I've become a lot more pushbacky now, yeah. probably in the last five years than when I first started teaching. But, oh yeah, that was, that was one of my best getting fired stories. Nice. Yeah. And I've, <laughs> I've tried to find, and, and people will have heard me talk about this before, but I've just tried to find more ways to effectively make the learning that's happening during true child directed play unstructured, visible, visible yeah. to yeah. people. And, um, early in the semester, uh, I made just like a huge bulletin board display and it was just pictures of children in play. And then a caption and the caption was just like, um, maybe it was the Indiana early learning foundation that mm-hmm. you could see mm-hmm. in that play. Um, or maybe it was a creative curriculum goal at any rate, some sort of developmental goal, uh, yep. under each picture. Wolfords. Wolfords, yes. And a a colleague was like, how did you catch them doing that? How did you know they would be, that would be happening? Because they're just playing. And I was like, that's the point. Like, I didn't. I looked at what was happening. You know, I looked at the play and I I just have, you know, developed the skill of being able to see what's happening. Hold on. It sounds like I'm interrupting you, but that actually might be some really important strategy that I just thought about right now. I'm wondering how many people think it's the opposite, that I have to somehow set up the play uh-huh. arena to get to a standard uh-huh. when in actuality, 
simply by observing what's organically unfolding. It's on me to be able to link it to the standards, which then that requires me to be knowledgeable and familiar enough with said standards. I talk about this a lot. Shameless plug. I walk people through this process in the new book. Oh, yeah, you know, linking, yeah, linking it, linking it, linking it. And the and the wolves workshop is getting as I think I've teased with you and Uh some other people about it's it's getting kind of the structure that it's needed so that I I want people to leave with the strategies of how to do that linking as opposed to just leave going, well, I'm supposed to know how to link it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, how does how does that make that happen? And, And I think what you just said, you slid it in there, but man, that was, that's powerful stuff. I didn't set it up to fit. Right. I'm knowledgeable enough to see how what's happening fits. Yeah. And, and, that, and if we're not, then we need to figure it out. Like, like we don't. Yeah. Or realize this isn't your cup of tea. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You, you need to know how to do this. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do this, I'm not saying you should have to, like to quote Mimi Shenfield, right? And it, it, great will be the day when we no longer have to defend yes. what we do, but right now we do. And she she said that like 25 freaking years ago. Yes. I mean, I don't want to beat the dead horse because we've been banned. We've, we've been having to defend what's already been proven for so long, which is why I'm jumping over and trying to figure out those strategies. Right. Well, and I think that's part of what what caught me about this article is that there's there's so much that I see now in things that are being written for early childhood practitioners that seems like to defend what we think is right, we're changing what we what we're, we're like we're not defending what we think is right anymore. We're just changing our lang we're we're using the same language but changing it to mean what we think other people are looking for. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, sort of going mm-hmm. back around, but so another well, there's a whole other. Another conversation I had recently. Well, not really because Go ahead, go ahead. So we're overlapping. No. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a camp of people who get really even frustrated with any kind of modifiers of play. Yeah. Like the minute you have to label it and don't appreciate play for the pure organic rawness of play, they don't even want to have a conversation because they think that, you know, we've then we're bastardizing, you right. know, the entire process. And and I get that. I get that 100%. And in my soul, I would love to be there. You can't say that to somebody fresh out of school because they're not, they're not yet there and able to do that. Right. Right. So So I think the wolf words is like the baby step. I think your poster, this is what, this is organic play. This is what you can call it to somebody who doesn't see that, that organic play has its own, you know, value in and of itself. And if that's a baby step for that person to keep going down that path, I'm willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another conversation I had recently was about um, uh, someone who had some parents in their program who didn't understand the play they were seeing and mm-hmm. they, were, they were feeling pressured to then change their program, as is mm-hmm. often the case, because we have this whole um, customers always right mythology going on also. Um right exactly yeah so so my response was and and i think that you said this in your your first book your or well the playbook not your first book but um uh lisa murphy on play i believe thank you it's called um something along these lines anyway but we don't we don't stop doing it because someone doesn't understand it we become better at articulating it so that maybe they can understand it and and here's where tiffany would say it's their right to take their kids somewhere else if, yeah, if, it is. If they don't like what they're seeing in your program, if we know what's best 
for children is this kind of play we're describing and a, and a family can't understand that. Uh, then I will help you find where you need to go, right. but I'm not going to change just cause you've never seen it before. Right. And if we're changing based on that, do we really believe it? No, you don't. No, no, we're being, we're being persuaded because we were not that comfortable in our own belief. Exactly. Or you weren't strong enough. I, I would even, I would push back against comfort. Yeah. yeah. It, it might, it might be that somebody told you you're supposed to be play-based nowadays, but you don't really know what that looks like. So yeah. it, there could be a lot of ignorance that, that leads to that. Sure. But yeah, no, I, I just, I the just customer a... is always right. Is, is, is <laughs> a I think whole other podcast. Be, <laughs> it's a whole other podcast, but, but it's also, I think can be very, very dangerous thinking. Yes. Dangerous thinking. We don't march into their places of business and tell them how we want them to be doing their job. Right. And I think that's, you know, anyway, I think that contributes to why we're not seen as professionals because we can be so wishy-washy. And as soon as somebody comes in, you know, threatening to pull their kid out, we see a dollar sign, right. you know, we see not being able to buy more whatever, as opposed to, you know, anyway, but you're, yeah, I know I, I could, could rant on that for an that hour, whole, that whole direction for a long time. Um, oh shoot. I lost what I was going to say. I'm sorry. That's my no, fault. That's okay. Um, cause what you said was good. Well done, Lisa. Thanks. <laughs> Patty on the backy. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I took a class this summer. No, this semester, Play and Creativity in Early Childhood, and I was really excited about it. And the books were great. I already owned them all and had read them, so that was also exciting. Awesome. The articles that she, the teacher, that, that she shared were great, um, but I'm not sure that I'm convinced the message was received based on the discussion boards. Ah. Um, but a lot of them are elementary school people in this discussion board, and they have, I know, different constraints and rules. But, but, but it was so weird to see the disconnect because we would read this book like um, from Play to Practice, Walter Drew, and a couple other yep. people that just came out a couple years ago. And another one was um, Stuart Brown's book about play mm-hmm. um, and some David Elkind articles from several years ago. Um, but then the, the discussion board was all, yes, I believe in play and we have 15 minutes of recess, whether it's, oh, you Jesus. know, all that, all that kind of stuff or, or, um, you know, they were talking about edutainment or whatever Ugh, kind of garbage God. words pop up into this conversation from time to time. And, um, so there's, there's also just a disconnect. I mean, even that, in that case, me and the other people in the class were reading the same words. And then yes. coming to this discussion and, and saying completely different things about it. And it was difficult. Well, and, and I'll, I'll say this, even though it, it probably potentially could be a, a whole other podcast, is that not having relationships with yes. the people in your online class. And I got my math. I'm not dissing any online. I got my master's online from Champlain College in Vermont. Um, and until I got to know some of the other people in the class, I would I would I would have to craft my. I would either have to craft my response to them. I had to work harder than if I knew them or I chose not to respond to them at all. And a couple of them called me on it. How come during the course of the the entire program, you never responded to any of my stuff? And I'm like, do you want the honest answer (laughs) to that? You know, or, or should we just go our separate ways? And, and, and so that's, that's another a barrier, I would say, of getting our profession on the same uh-huh. page 
is that with the increase of online stuff, you don't often have the context or the relationship to really have a debate or a banter or to push each other or to challenge even without getting offended. Right, right. And I I think, um, again, online learning could be a whole other podcast. It's working for me because I'm a full-time worker, um, but I'm not convinced that uh, I'm learning very much <laughs> as I That's go through. So... <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, uh, let's see. What else did we need? Do we need to talk about with this? Anything that we've skipped that you had scribbled in the margins? Um, I, I did. I, I, I will acknowledge that al- although I feel that play is play is play is play and, mm-hmm. and modifiers make me a little antsy and I have a very strong definition between the difference of structure and, uh-huh. and control. So I have a hard time with it being called structured and unstructured play. Uh-huh. Um, but I will acknowledge, did you smell the butt coming? Yeah. But I will acknowledge on page two at the top, mm-hmm. she she is one of the first articles that I've read that talked about uh, that acknowledge that the spontaneity that that within what they're calling structured play, uh-huh. which I would be calling more c- controlled play. Yeah. Um, so I did appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, first first time. Um, got a little antsy with the next uh, topic. Is she says which type of play is best? <laughs> yeah. Like it's play, and and the minute we're putting it like a hierarchy you know, then who's labeling that? Whose agenda is that? Whose idea is that? Um, uh, The one thing I will point out is that um, uh, her, mm, this first column there in that same section, which type of play is best? She wraps up that paragraph by Mm -hmm. saying, however, unstructured play is just as valuable as unstructured play. And then she quotes a very important article. Uh Um, For example, the more time children spend in less structured activities, the better their self-directed executive functioning. Um, And that came out in 2004, and that was beautiful. I read the actual original data. I don't know if you have, Heather. And what I will say is that although they call it structure and unstructured, it would, in my definition, be more of a controlled play and free play. Uh-huh. I, I think you could modify how they're defined the word, yeah. their modifiers there. Um, but my takeaway from that original research report was that if you want to increase levels of executive functioning and self-regulation, you need longer periods of uninterrupted uh-huh. free play. Uh-huh. And that was very important for those of us in that open-ended free play child-directed choice camp because we had some science now yeah. That showed us, you know, out of one side of your mouth, we're saying we want high levels of EF, but then we have 15 minute time blocks. So you either aren't in touch with the research or you don't care yeah. about the research. Yeah. Um, um, uh, yeah, I think that um, throughout the article, there's lots of research that she or, or references she uses to support structured play. But actually, if you really dig in, it's they're supporting the unstructured, unstructured play. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. A lot of, that's, that's what I found a lot of. But I, I think talking about whose idea is it is a good place to end this conversation on. If we take all the words, controlled, free play, structured, unstructured, exactly. whatever. If we just get down to whose idea is it to do what this child is doing right now. Um, and, and then that's the first step. And then maybe a next step is to practice getting better at identifying what's happening that's quote unquote of value while children are engaging in real play. That was their idea. (laughs) And, and if I can plug one of my 
bullet points, which is the three questions of what yes. are you doing and why are you doing it and, and who is it for? Because I think that really, that, that helps as well. I, Whose I idea was so it too. for this to happen? And, 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 and it be, I, I really believe that if you aren't able to answer those three questions, that you should not be allowed to continue whatever it is what that you're, you're doing. currently doing. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy. I, I, I use those questions all the time and I'm not going to, I'm not saying this just cause you know, you're here and I want to schmooze with you a little bit, <laughs> but I do. I think that's one of the most brilliant pieces that's been brought out in early childhood and forever. Thank you. Is, Thank you. And it's, because it's so simple, it's accessible, it's, but it's also meaningful. <laughs> Yes, thank you. And it'll bounce you right back. It'll bounce you right back to center right away. Yeah. The minute you say, I don't know, you're like, okay, then why are you stopping it? Why are you stopping this child from 45 minutes of play in a block? Well, I don't really, because I, you know, okay, then. Yeah. Where, where might it go? The child is choosing to do this. Yeah. I got, um, I got dinged. I guess we're not quite done, but we'll be done soon, folks. Sorry. <laughs> I got dinged a little, a little ding, um, because I was, ha- I had things cause I have to do a lesson plan beforehand and it's very broad and open-ended. Um, no days or times assigned just sort of, anyway, I got dinged because I had things on the plan that I wasn't actually then doing that day. The reason oh, I wasn't goodness. doing it is because the kids were engaged and why on earth, again, as I think you say, would I interrupt this engaged play to yes. invite them to a meeting or something? Yes, yes. Um, and I think that's counter, as people have heard me say, then we, we we teach children not to get focused and not to concentrate because well, so I'm going to get interrupted. I'm going to get interrupted anyway. <laughs> so, um, so, all right. So let's end it with whose idea is that and your three questions. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Who is it for? That's a good Amen. place to That's stop. That's a good one. That's a good right. place to stop. Do Thank you, wanna... you for having me back on your podcast. I always love it when you are. Do you want to say anything about the book before we go? Um, the the new book is also by Redleaf Press. The We're going with the Lisa Murphy on kind of branding. So it's going to be Lisa Murphy on child-centered environments. And during uh, that uh, book, I take you through the nine points of what a child-centered environment looks like. And we are shooting for a mid to late 2019 release date. Yay. I'm excited. Yay. Thank you. I am too. (laughs) I bet you are. And and excited to be done with it, probably. It's been a long labor, birth, and delivery. (laughs) I'm ready for the baby to be out. (laughs) Oh, perfect. (laughs) Well, we'll just leave listeners with that visual. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. To a baby. (laughs) Tuning in to another episode. Hope you'll come back again. Goodbye. Bye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. 